I want to talk to you about, and it's, it feels a bit corny as I say it, but it's, this is the title. I want to talk to you about what it means to be a star. Have the idea of a star in your mind. Um, one of the worst programs on TV, but it's, I'm saying it's one of the worst. I, I just watch it the whole time. Britain's Got Talent. There is a, a mass of these sort of talent show programs on our television screens, and I don't know if it's something about Simon Cowell has some sort of addictive quality, but I just sit there and I watch it. I think it's perhaps the reason that I keep coming back, particularly to Britain's Got Talent, is these unlikely characters that end up being awesome. Do you know what I mean? And, the show, and I think, I think you'll, you'll have a picture in your mind about the kind of people that I'm talking about. And this show is really well produced. You know the way that these, they go backstage and they'll interview, you know, there'll be two or three people on, they just look amazing, you think these are going to be stars, they're going to be stars, and then there's some middle-aged guy in a full-length shell suit with a couple of teeth missing like me and some unfortunate hairdo, and he's got a, a bad Casio keyboard and some juggling balls, and you're thinking, whatever, whatever you do, my friend, you're watching the telly, you're thinking, just please, do not, do not go out, you know, and then it'll cut to the audience who were looking all like waiting for this good, you know, bring me some entertainment, then it cuts back to this unlikely star. And you're like, don't, don't do it to yourself. You know, so, I mean, you want to shout, unless you're sadistic, you want to shout at the TV and say, no, don't do this. This is, this is not going to help your social circumstance. This is not the answer that you're looking for. I think that sometimes being a, being a Christian can feel a little bit like being the unlikely act at one of these talent shows. I think, I think it can feel a little bit like that. It can feel a little bit like... Well, listen to what, what the calling is. The calling is from Christ, Matthew 28, go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations. This is the calling. We're to put ourselves out there. And how are we to be out there? What is, what is the act, if you like? We are to be humble and kind and gentle. We are to live by an ancient book. We are to pray to a holy God. Do you, ever, do you ever feel like, is it just me, that feels occasionally like this act is a bit inadequate? Have you ever, have you ever felt like that? I remember, be, I remember experiencing teenage Christianity, and I think my prayers were as vain as, God, if you could just make me really good-looking, like really confident, give me a, just some awesome career, then I think I could really challenge people. I think I could be a great work for you. But just with the unfortunate body that I've been given and just this act of being humble and kind and gentle, I don't really feel, is this going to win people over? Is this the act that's going to work? And sometimes I feel like, like I'm, I've definitely had this as I look back on my life, like I've been backstage and I'm thinking, I can't, I can't go out there with this. I can't go out there and live like this. That's not going to change people. I want a better act. Paul, I think in this passage, writes to the church at Philippi, and he reminds us of a couple of things, and he reminds us of the nature of our act. I want us to zoom in pre-New Year, pre-all the resolutions that we're going to make for next year, all our hopes and dreams, and think about what it means to be a Christ-like person, what our act is. Here's what 
Paul says to the church at Philippi. Do everything without grumbling. This is verse 14. Thinking about what the act is, what our act is. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So this is the pattern. And they, quite, they seem like quite simple things. Don't, don't grumble, don't argue, and then in this crooked generation, you'll, you'll stick out like sore thumbs. You will shine like stars. So two take-homes from, this, from that little chunk of Scripture that I want you to, to grasp hold of. The first one, the first one is that it's, this sounds pretty heavy, but I mean it, it's darker than you think. The world that we live in, I think that's what... That's what Paul says here, but that's what the Bible says to us over and over again. I think we get the prevailing worldview is generally people are good and there's a few bad eggs. That's kind of what we think, isn't it? There's just a few bad eggs, and if it wasn't for the few bad eggs, we wouldn't have this, we wouldn't have that. Anytime you pick the Bible up, when there's an absence of God at the head, then the people mess it up and it's darker than you think. Think of it every time that God intervenes. It's just darker than you think out there. That's, that's the first one I want you to get into your head. It's a wicked and crooked generation. We might not want to think of the world like that, but that's how the Bible describes it. It's darker than you think. But because it's darker than you think, your light shines brighter than you'll know. That's the next thing. And that's the thing I want us to think about. This is the image that Paul's using, and he gets us to think about stars in the sky. He says, you can shine like stars in the sky. Now, when you're a preacher, you're constantly looking for illustrative tools. In the world that we live in now, with all our own light, you don't often go to shining stars. But if you live in the ancient Near East, first century Jerusalem, clear skies, maybe some of you have been. If you've not been to Jerusalem, clear night skies, maybe you've been camping and you look up at the sky. Do you ever get that? You need the loo in the middle of the night if you're out camping. And you look up at the sky and you're like, man, is that there all the time? Just this beautiful array of stars. See, in Bible times, if you're talking at night, you've got this carpet of stars that would just, you'd just be constantly blown away by it. It would be constantly there for you to see. So if you're a preacher, you would refer to it. And the, 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 the fishermen and the sailors would, would guide their ships by it. It was a significant thing. Paul says to the church at Philippi, in doing the good things, you can have that level of, of impact. I was, I was teaching at a youth weekend away. Bunch of, bunch of, it, was, it was a really tough gig. There were a bunch of really cool teenagers. It was, they, were all, they were all like really cool, and it was all about being really cool, and it was a Bible weekend, and I was the preacher there. And in my mind, so I'd gone to this Bible weekend as a kid, in my mind, I was going to blow them away. They were going to leave on Sunday afternoon as missionaries, all of them. That was, that, was, that was what I was, that was my bar. I was like, I'm going to preach from the heart. I'm going to change their souls. I'm going to really turn them around. And by Saturday night, I'd done about three preachers and I was five out of ten best. You know, I, mean, I was middling. I was crying myself to sleep. It was, that, it was that kind of thing. They were all still on the phones. They were all still looking for girlfriends and boyfriends. It was all still about being cool. And then they went out on this midnight walk, this tradition that, the, that this, this weekend has. So you're in the lakes at this fancy big house. They're all still trying to be cool. They get out the door. They walk about 10 minutes down the road. They look up to the stars 
They stop talking about girlfriends and boyfriends and tech and everything else. Not anything to do with any of my preachers. They were all of a sudden talking big about life. What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? What do we think about this earth that we are in? The whole landscape of the conversation changed because they were looking up at these stars. And Paul says to us in this text, he says to us that by living out these practices of God, these simple little things, not arguing, getting on with each other, in this dark world, and I think he talks to the church at Philippi, he says, you lot clustered together can be that kind of impact on the world. You can leave it so people look up and maybe you're thinking about your Christian practice, you think, I'm sure I don't have that kind of impact. Paul's saying the impact that we have on people by following God's word and by living in light of it is like that. It will cause people to look up and go, man, really? So I just want to make it really simple. He identifies two star characters. From, do you recall them from the reading? Timothy and the less easy to say, Epaphroditus. And he, and he says, so there's... Paul, if you read through his letters, he's always a big, long list of names. He's always a big, long list of people. He says, this guy's awesome. Watch out for this guy. This guy's good. Here, these two people get prime time. He goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zoom in on these two characters because these are two characters I want you to note. These are two stars of the Bible. And so, and so you, when you're reading through the letter, you're like, right, well, what makes these two guys stars? What are their characters and attributes? Let's read through what they are. And, and what you've got to remember about this little church at Philippi is Paul, you know, Paul the Apostle, he goes around on his missionary journeys, planting all these churches. He plants this church, and, it, and it's, it's just this tiny little seed of a church at this point when he's writing to it. You know, you could blow on it, and it would blow out. And he's thinking, I want this church to grow. I want this church to prosper. What do they need to prosper? What are the star attributes that's going to mean that this Roman Empire that wants to snuff out Christianity is going to be held at bay and the church can prosper? What's that going to look like? Here's what it looks like. I hope in the Lord, Jesus, to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Here's the thing. Who are you waiting for? Like the awesome teacher, the guy with a load of money, the big influential character. What kind of person is he going to send? I have no one else like him who will show, here's the attribute, here's the star-like quality, here's what I want us to hang on to, genuine concern for your welfare. I've got, Paul, Paul looks around and he said, I've got, here's the guys I've got, I've got him and I've got him and I've got him, but the guy that I want you to experience, the guy that I want to send your way, his star quality is that he is, he's going to be genuine. Do you ever feel like in your, in your life people are going to look through you every now and again? You ever, you ever had that happen to you? I've had that happen to me a few times. I've been Getting along with people, and it's, it's almost like you don't, you don't want to get too close in your relationships because you think, if I, if I keep going with this person, they're going to see through me. They're going to see what I'm like. And there's no seeing through Timothy because he's, he's the genuine article. He genuinely cares for people. And Paul says, I've got to get this guy to this fledgling church because he's genuine. This is the first star-like quality I want us to think about. I was listening to the radio the other day. And it was, it was a documentary on homelessness. You know, in the winter, homelessness comes into your perspective, doesn't it? Somehow everyone's cold and you're more aware of the homeless. And it was a story of people that have got out of homelessness. And they interviewed this guy, you know, really rough, grim Yorkshire accent guy from Leeds. And, and they said, well, you know, what was it? How did, you, how did you get past, you know, what was it that lifted you out? And he went through a, a bunch of, like, strategies that they'd been trying. 
And he said, um, so I'll tell you what it was. It was this, this lady used to come and see me every couple of days. Sometimes she'd give me stuff, sometimes she wouldn't. But what I got to realize was that she was genuinely concerned about me. Sometimes she'd just come up and say, how are you doing? How's things? How are you? And I realized, this is the guy, I realized that she was genuinely bothered about my welfare. You know, I didn't see through her. Or if I saw through her, I saw what was there. And that, that was enough for this guy to get up out of his, this predicament that is homelessness and wrestle with it and deal with it and find his feet again in life because somebody showed genuine interest. Here's our calling as Christians, as God's people, to be more than just, I don't know, see-through Christians, but to be people who have gen genuine care. That's the first guy. Second guy, less easy to say, but you'll remember him because of his name, Epaphroditus. So we've got Timothy's genuine care, and we've got Epaphroditus' selfless fellowship. Let me just read through what it says about Epaphroditus again. I think it's necessary to send back to you, Epaphroditus. This is verse 25. My brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, for he longs for all of you. Now, try and have a picture of this guy in your head. I've got a, I can't help but read the Bible. Whenever I read about somebody, I've I can almost see them. So try and have, a, have an image. I see a frail, anxious dude in front of me. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Let, let me give you the, the story of what's going on here. You've got Paul. So when Paul, this is a letter, Philippians, he writes it from the prison cell. He writes it from jail. He's in jail. You've got the Philippians, funnily enough, in Philippi, about a thousand miles away, this church that Paul's been supporting. And you've got this guy coming from Philippi and when you read about his story he's like it sounds like he's going to pass on any second doesn't it when you read about him it sounds like he's a frail he's anxious they're anxious about him you can imagine him setting off on this journey nobody knows really whether he's going to get there or not he walks or travels the around about a thousand miles between these two places to give Paul the money the thousand pounds that's what he does that's his act of selfless fellowship there's a, there's a word that runs, that runs right through the book of Philippians, actually. I don't know much Greek. don't know hardly any Greek, but I'm, wor I'm working on it. But one word I've become familiar with is, is this word koinonia, which, is, which we interpret a few ways, but it means fellowship or partnership. And in this book of Philippians, if you read it in the Greek, it's just there the whole time. Translated a bunch of different ways, fellowship, partnership. And this is one of those words, I think, that in our, in our modern-day Christianity... We've lost a little bit of the gravitas of the word fellowship. It means like tea and quiche, doesn't it? That's Middle England Christianity, fellowship. Let's, let's have a cup of, like what we've just done now, that's fellowship, right? Fellowship in the Bible, fellowship in this passage here is a guy who was willing to walk a thousand miles, felt like he was probably going to die before he set off, but certainly was at risk of death when he get, gets there, so that the gospel, the good news about Jesus would go out. That's what, that's what it means, the partnership. 
So there was a partnership going on here. The Apostle Paul was this awesome preacher, and he's banged up in jail, but we want to keep him going, we want to keep him preaching. There's this fledgling church in Philippi that's got a few bob in its pocket that wants to get some food to Paul. So the fellowship, the partnership, was this guy's journey of a thousand miles walking there. Selfless care for others, selfless fellowship and genuine care. And do you know what happened to this church in Philippi? This church in Philippi, under the power of the Roman Empire, as many of the other churches did in, in these days, it not only survived, but it prospered and it grew 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 and the Roman Empire disappeared and the church carried on and we're here today because of people who were genuine and selfless in this way. There's a few trends I've observed in my, in my Christian life and I'm going to say something now and I'm going to put like underscore it by saying I hold in incredible regard the power of God's word to change lives and the importance of church strategy and church meetings and all that kind of thing but I've seen just my experience, I've seen more people come to faith as they have observed the character of Christians up and down the country than I've seen come to faith in any other way. I've seen people come to faith and they'll say things like, oh man, I want, I want what you've got. I want what that person's got. When Christians get on with each other, when Christians live selfless, maybe simple, caring lives, what they do, in fact, is... So I can, give them, I can give them a million sermons and we get people that aren't yet Christians coming to church and it's amazing and it's amazing to see them saved. But every day, we as God's people go out and meet loads of people and get to influence loads of people and they get to observe what we're like and what we do and they see, if they see in us genuine care and genuine concern and genuine compassion and God's love, then it points to something greater than ourselves. And I, and I look back... And I kind of look back on, on my life, and maybe you can look back on your life too, and I think I've been really fortunate that I've preached and people have come to know God through it. It's been amazing. But I've also lived, and I've seen people come to God just for the few occasions when I've been a half-decent human being and I've pointed towards something greater than myself. It's an amazing thing. Genuine selfless care and fellowship. Here's the rub for us. This is the act. It is an act that can change the world. It's an act that we ignore. We think that this can't be the act. It can't be, this can't be the only way that God saves people. This is the act. Humility, care, love for others. This is the act. Here's the rub. We can't keep it up. Um, a couple of days ago, I tidied the house from top to bottom, and Jude came in, and she said, have you done that because you love me? And I went, well, I said, yeah, but in my head it was, no, I want to watch the footy later on, and I've done it for that specific reason. That's my whole motivation. And I'll have times when I'm genuine, but I'll have times when I'm not, and people see through me, and so will you. I, had, I talk about the homeless because I've been in a few cities in the last couple of weeks, and I've seen, the, I've seen homeless people. I've seen people without anything, and, and temporarily... I've looked into their eyes, and for about 10 minutes, I've been really moved. Like, genuinely, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do something about this. And then, not thought about that person again the whole rest of the shopping trip. 
until I came to prep for this sermon. There was a story in the news about, about Christians getting persecuted in another country, and I was, like, I was like, man, this is terrible. Something's got to be done. And it stayed powerfully in my mind for about 10 minutes, and then it went out of my mind altogether. We, can't, we cannot keep up this level of compassion and genuine faith. And it's, it's as we think, as we try and wrestle with this stuff that we realize, I think, what our act is and what it isn't. What is the Christian act? There's a verse in the passage that really helps us see what it is. It says, I think it's 12 or 13, you will shine like stars among them. How? As you hold firmly to the word of Christ. What is, what is Paul saying in this passage? He says, you, you, you can live like this only so long as you are moved by God's word and Christ's spirit within you. you. You take your eye, and I feel like you could bash me over the head with this. You take your eye, Ash, off that story of Jesus, off that death on that cross, off that perfect life. You take your eye off that, and you make it about other things, then you will drop off the face of a cliff in a heartbeat. You keep your eye on that story. You be continually moved by that perfect life, that wonderful birth, that selfless death, that act of sacrifice on the cross. If that's where your if that's where your energy is, then this will be your life and your pattern. Here's my prayer for you 2019, that you'll be genuinely moved and selflessly shaped by the love of God seen in Christ.